Slava Isusagastu, Slava Naveka, glory be to Jesus Christ, glory be forever. So I'm reading again from this um, catechesis of the world um, meeting of families from Philadelphia 2015. Love is our mission, the family fully alive. And this section is called Marriage, Love, and Christ's Sacrifice on the Cross. God's love is captured vividly in Ephesians 5, where St. Paul extends the marriage analogy to Christ and the Church. Paul urges both husbands and wives to be subject to one another out of reverence to Christ. <coughs> Christian marriage is therefore not a negotiation over rights or responsibilities, but rather a description of mutual self-giving. It is far more radical than mere egalitarianism. Paul does write that the husband is the head of the wife, just as that Christ is the head of the church. But what does this mean in context and in practice? Paul calls husbands their self-giving love that mirrors Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Undermining machismo and exploitation, and in profound contrast to other household codes in the ancient world, Paul teaches a dynamic in the image of God. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Drawing in on Ephesians 5, the church speaks of marriage as a sacrament and summons couples to this kind of cruciform, self-sacrificial communion. Jesus enables Christians to speak confidently about God's love. He opens up God's covenant to all people, completing Israel's history as a universal narrative of redemption. Jesus embodies life-giving love because he is literally God's word made flesh. He loves the church as his bride. And this unselfish love, proven in blood on the cross, sets the model for the kind of mutual love and service needed within every Christian marriage and family. As Pope Benedict taught, by contemplating the pierced side of Christ, we can understand God is love. It is there that this truth can be contemplated. It is from there that our definition of love must begin. In this contemplation, the Christian discovers the path along which, which his life and love must move. For many today, love is little more than a warm feeling of physical attraction. These things have their place. But real love, love that endures and deepens and satisfies the human heart over a lifetime, <coughs> grows from what we give to others, not what we take for ourselves. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for our salvation. That kind of radical, liberating capacity to abandon our prerogatives and give ourselves to others is the thread that unites all Catholic teaching on marriage and family. 
authentic Catholic teaching of marriage and family separates true love from all counterfeits. Scripture has many complementary and overlapping ways of describing God's love, but marriage is foremost among them. The covenant between God and his people, first Israel and then the church, is like a marriage. This marriage is not always easy, but human sin never had the last word. God's fidelity reveals what true love and fidelity look like. Jesus Christ, who welcomes all of us into membership in God's family, gives us a new and unexpected definition of love giving us new possibilities for living. And then again, these questions that we can think about. Why is God's love like marriage? How is God's way of loving different from our human way of loving? What is true love and how do we recognize it? What are some similarities and differences between your culture's notion of romantic love and God's covenant love. Can you think of a time when God's love help you to love in a more honest and better way? Now, I'm going to read the section called female sexuality participate in our spiritual purpose. Material creation has spiritual meaning, which has implications for the way we love as male and female. Our sexuality has purpose. Our bodies are not simply shells for our soul or sensory machines for the brain, nor are they raw materials that we can freely abuse or reprogram. For Christians, body and spirit are profoundly integrated. Each human being is a unity of body and soul. St. Hildegard of Bingen wrote, The body is, in truth, the temple of the soul, cooperating with the soul by means of the senses, as a meal wheel is turned by water. The body has innate dignity as part of God's creation. It is an intimate part of our identity and our eternal destiny. The two sexes literally enflesh God's design for human interdependence, community and openness to new life. We cannot debase or abuse the body without inflicting a cost on the spirit. Of course, we do not always love as we ought. Sex is a uniquely powerful factor in human affairs, both for good and for ill. And we, and so sexuality misused or disordered has always been a major source of confusion and sin. Sexual desire and self-understanding can be complex. Our identity is revealed in Jesus and in God's plan for our lives and not in fallen self-assertions. Marriage exists because procreation and communion, biology and God's covenant Nature and supernature 
together undergird what it means to be human. Marriage exists because we discover and accept rather than invent or we negotiate the vocation to self-giving which is intrinsic to being created male and female under the covenant. Marriage is God's creation because we are God's creatures and because God created male and female for fellowship with Him in His covenant. Our origin is two different and comp complementary sexes and our call to love, to communion, to life are one and the same moment. In the words of Pope Francis, this is the story of love. This is the story of the masterpiece of creation. This call to love, communion and life involves the entire being of man and woman, body and soul. The human person is simultaneously a physical and spiritual being. The body, in a sense, reveals the person. As a result, human sexuality is never merely functional. Sexual difference <laughs> visible in the body contributes directly to the body's spousal character and the person's capacity to love. At the center of this call to love is God's summons to be fruitful and multiply. A couple's spousal union through the body is therefore by its very nature are also a call to live as father and mother. For good reason, we hear delight in Adam's words at his first sight of Eve. This at last is the bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. The Catechism of the Catholic Church notes that, from the beginning, man discovers woman as another. I, <coughs> sharing the same humanity. Man and woman share an equal dignity that comes from God the Creator. In God's plan, both the similarity and otherness of man and woman coincide in their sexual complementarity as the masculine and feminine created together. Man and woman are will for each other. Sexual difference is a, is a primordial reminder that we are made to give ourselves away to others guided by virtue and God's love. St. John Paul II often spoke about the nuptial or spousal meaning of the body. He echoed the teaching of Vatican II that the partnership of man and woman constitutes the first form of communion between persons. But sexual difference <coughs> marks all of our relationships, even for the unmarried, since we each enter life as a son or daughter. We are called to be a brother or sister not only to those in our families, but also to the needy in our neighborhoods, communities, and churches. Our identity as men and women is the basis of our call to fatherhood or motherhood, natural or spiritual. In this way, sexual difference has universal significance. Because <coughs> it is a central component of our identity, Sexuality cannot be isolated from the meaning of the human person. Sex is never simply a physical or emotional impulse. It always involves more. 
sexual desire shows us that we are never self-sufficient. We long for intimacy with another. Sexual intercourse, no matter how casual, is never simply a biological act. In fact, sexual intimacy is always in some sense conjugal because it creates a human bond, no matter how unintended. A properly ordered conjugal act is never simply an inward-looking, autonomous erotic act. Our sexuality <coughs> is personal and intimate, but always with a social dimension and consequence. A sacramental marriage is never a private possession, but discovers itself in relation to God's wider covenant. Hmm. So that's all I'm going to read for today. God bless you. Have a good day.